Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Jets coming. Carr puts some air under it. Wide open is Rex for the touchdown. Miraculous. No, he didn't. Jaguars fans everywhere pounding fireball, throwing their TV at the or throwing their remote at the TV. I have one question for you, Jason Fitz. Mm, mm, mm. Is Greg Williams already in the Raiders Hall of Fame? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I wouldn't be opposed to him joining it. Look, guys, there's two ways during a football game that I'll be the first to admit my language is not always the most family friendly during football games. There's two ways that I use the F word. Same word, very different tone. When uh, Carr missed Aguilar for what would have been the wide-open game-winning touchdown with about 10 seconds left, I used it repeatedly one way. And then if you flash-forward just a few seconds later, I was repeatedly using it the other way. I think I owe, like, a cookie bouquet to about five of my neighbors at this point. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You know, like, I understand for Raiders fans that was euphoria, and that's great, and and that was big because – you guys were about to be on a bad slide uh, after last week's performance and and then uh, losing to the Jets. But down here, I just want you to know and recognize that that was the most hurtful loss of the season. It wasn't the 11 in a row by the Jags. It was the one by the Jets. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, and uh, and you're not wrong in feeling that way. I mean, the fact is, as I've told you guys before, I believe that Justin Fields is going to be – a very good quarterback. I think there's a lot to be really excited about for Justin Fields, but I'm also a fan of proof of concept. And, you know, sometimes when we see young quarterbacks and everybody says, how are they developing? I think one of the things that happens from our analyst standpoint is that for years, so many NFL analysts didn't watch a lot of college football. So they're trying to sort of evaluate Sam Darnold and saying, well, who is he as a pro without acknowledging that Sam Darnold is a pro has been very much like Sam Darnold was, as a college quarterback at USC, some of the same problems, same issues. He hasn't grown through them. So when I look at young quarterbacks, I love proof of concept. The fact is Trevor Lawrence has so much proof of concept. We've seen how stinking great he can be. So absolutely, if there's a quarterback that you're going to bank on, I feel like Trevor Lawrence is that guy. But that being said, as much as everybody loves him, if I if, if you're telling me that my favorite team is going to get Justin Fields this year in the draft, I still feel really good about that. So you know, I know nobody wants a consolation prize at quarterback, but I believe that you're talking about two guys that are going to end up being very, very good starters. Jason, you're an avid Raiders fan. I respect the fandom, but I have to ask you this. If the Raiders would have lost that game to the Jets, would your little safe space sandcastle went crumbling down on the sea, um, in the sea of reality, if you will, where you were probably ready to admit that the Raiders maybe aren't as good as we thought they were this season? But oh, God, yeah. If they had lost that yet. game, I, I mean, I, I, I will say straight up, if they had lost the game to the Jets, I think it would be the toughest loss I have seen since the Super Bowl loss. And <laughs> the reason, a couple, couple reasons. One is that this team actually has a shot at being good. And so seeing them come out and struggle is just it's baffling. But then the other part of it is just realizing that yet again you're back in this situation where you're just not good enough against the team that kicked your butt last year. Like, there was no excuse to come out flat, and 
you know, I don't think fully that they came out flat. There, there is sort of a moment where we're reminded how important Josh Jacobs is to this offense. Like people just want to turn around and make it out like Josh Jacobs is replaceable. He isn't for this offense. And they're going to struggle this week mightily against the Colts if they don't have Josh Jacobs on that team. But, uh, yes, if they had lost to the Jets after what I endured last year at MetLife Stadium, if, if they had lost again, I think it would have been the most heartbreaking loss I've seen since the Super Bowl. But they didn't, and now they still control their own playoff game. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, season saved, yes. uh, which is okay. See, we're rooting for the Raiders. We need teams like the Bills and the Dolphins to show us the way and how to flip things around. And I need the blueprints. Uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later on in the show, especially with the Bills and the Dolphins, what they're doing. Well, let me ask you this, Jason Fitz uh, from ESPN. You can listen to Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock, uh, ESPN Radio all across the country. I just asked the question to Austin. Watching Josh Allen last night, really watching his development, and you take Lamar Jackson and a little bit of a backward year for him, a step back at the very least. And you have Baker Mayfield, who sometimes looks really good, like last week. And then other times you're left scratching your head. And is he even doing enough because they run the ball so much? I give you those three guys from that draft class. Who are you taking? Oh, man. Uh, not Baker. Um, and not, takes nothing against – I mean, Baker last week had his best game as a pro. But – the week before, he missed a couple of wide-open touchdowns. Like, we're just forgetting that there's been some terrible misses. Also, we're forgetting that Baker, of everybody you just mentioned, has not only the best offensive line, but he's got the best weapons. And he's got great running backs. I mean, Baker is in a dream situation for any quarterback. And he looks okay some weeks and bad others. So, like, I, I'm not enamored with that. Lamar Jackson is difficult because I'm not sure that the coaching staff has really done him justice. With the Bills, it, it, I, I guess I would take Josh Allen. But I'll tell you, I think what the Bills have done that Jags fans should be studying and, and really everybody should be studying across the board is that they did what I always say. Like, you got the young quarterback that you think might be your guy. You have an obligation to go get him weapons. What did they do? They went out and got him a receiver that absolutely is the type of receiver you can bank on. They put the right pieces around him. And, by the way, quietly, McDermott and that coaching staff has sort of created a culture in, in Buffalo that was ready for this. They, they insulated Josh Allen from all of the national media sort of critique he got each of his first couple of years. The fan base said, I don't care. You guys don't get it. And they showered him with love. And I think that there's just this level of confidence that comes from knowing that, like, you're good. And it really became – Josh Allen became one of the few quarterbacks that could actually have an us-versus-them mentality from the fans – and the quarterback, and it's really galvanized everybody together. So I think it's smart. I mean, you talked about how the Bills are built and how the Dolphins are built. Dolphins, same way. What did the Dolphins do this offseason? They spent more money on their secondary than anybody else in the NFL this offseason. They have the second most expensive uh, backside of the defense in the entire league, right? Like, they went out and said, hey, we're going to get guys that we know we can trust to play, and we're going to get this quarterback. And if this quarterback can develop, awesome. And if he doesn't, we're still going to have a really – thinking good team we forget sometimes the development of a franchise isn't about the one guy that we all talk too much about it's about the entirety of the roster and both of those instances are teams that have really solid rosters with quarterbacks that have been given some space to have a little bit of room to grow early on Jason, you said a lot in that conversation that uh, needs to be mentioned here. You mentioned the Bills and you mentioned the Dolphins. And I think two teams that have really turned it around due to their head coaches, right? In Flores and obviously with Sean McDermott there in Buffalo. I think the Washington Redskins have, I'm sorry, the, the, the Washington. 
football team. I, I keep making that mistake, That's man. That's twice I, 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 In the past. Hello. The Washington football team, um, the same thing with Ron Rivera. Now, they're in the NFC East, and it's the NFC East, but they're still in first place right now. They're all defensive-minded type of guys. You can call me a little biased if you want to, but do you get the sense that defensive-driven coaches are a little more of the culture changers, and maybe the offensive-driven guys are a little more of the flashy, outside-the-box thinkers? And then the question to you is, in Jacksonville, where you have the youngest team in the NFL right now, do you go with the defensive side route of obviously bringing the culture, or do you go with Justin Fields, the offensive side of the ball, and think outside the box? And that's a great question. And you're right. All the people you just mentioned, culture changers, as a general rule, I think, are defensive side of the ball guys that also have, like, a lovability to them. And, and you know, I think when you look at what Ron Rivera, who Ron Rivera is, uh, that, that's a great example of it. Somebody that obviously is incredibly detail-driven but still has this, like, this thing, that, that the it factor that we look for from coaches. You know, I, I think there is, if you're trying to change a culture, that's a, a definitive way to do it. That being said, uh, from the other side of it, I mean, realistically, Kyle Shanahan and John Gruden have been big parts of changing their respective cultures, and they've done it a little bit differently. I, there's just a likability to all of the, these people we're talking about. Like, all of them have that, that it thing, that whether it's in music or in sports, that people are always looking for. So I, I think that's a huge part of it. By the way, I'd add Joe Judge to that, uh, yeah. to that concept, too. So, you know, but, but I would tell you this. If I drafted a quarterback at the top of the draft, the first thing I would do, and this is where I, I was stunned the Bengals didn't do this. The first thing I do is I call that coaching staff for Ohio State, and I pick somebody off of there that Justin Fields loves. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's quarterback coach. I don't care if it's one of the offensive uh, assistants. I call anybody I can off that Ohio State coach, coaching staff, and I offer them a job right away. And I make that, like, let's make this transition together. We're going to bring in somebody you're comfortable with. We're going to bring in somebody that can play translator, that can make sure that you like the offense and that you understand the play calling. And it doesn't matter whether that's a young quarterback or an experienced quarterback. Part of the problem in Tampa Bay is that the Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are not efforting trying to speak the same language. So I think the day one what you do is you bring in somebody that's been around that quarterback and you say, hey, we are going to create the culture and the plays that you like so that you're comfortable from day one. It's a huge part of what can help. Yeah, I like that. Uh, you said that in the past, and I really I, I think that's a good note. Uh, I think the Jags, I, you know, in your reference, too, to Cincinnati is someone like Brady, <laughs> you yeah. know, Joe Brady, mm-hmm. uh, bringing him in, I mean, which would have been super comfortable. Maybe it wasn't him. Maybe it was somebody else because he wanted to go to Carolina or whatever it might be. But I get your point. I think it's a very good point. I just think it's very important for the Jags to continue to look at teams like the Raiders, the Bills, the Dolphins teams have been perennial losers as of late at the very least to how you flip this thing I think those are good examples it's hard to look at the Patriots right now it's hard to look at Seattle right now it's hard to look at Pittsburgh they have different there are different animals they're not in the same ballpark uh let me ask you about uh one college topic and it's a big one Michigan Ohio State canceled I I, I don't even see a lot of uh I know this was a scenario that could play out, and everybody wondered about Michigan. And now Ohio State doesn't ha- meet the threshold of enough mm-hmm. games to play in the Big Ten. I get the sense, Jason, that people even in Columbus aren't that nervous about this. I, I think Big Ten is going to come out tomorrow after a meeting and say, you know what, Ohio State's going to be allowed in, or we're going to give them another game against somebody to make sure they reach the threshold. What do you, what do you make of it? Well, number one, the Big Ten should have already done that. I mean – we all knew this was possible, so why did the Big Ten wait to get to this point to do it? I mean, if they do that, that's fine. But if I'm Indiana, I'm livid because a Big Ten championship matters to a school like Indiana. They'll put the 
banner up in the rafters for a Big Ten championship, right? Like, there's there's true meaning to that school for that opportunity in a COVID year or not. And remember, the college football playoff does not have the same rules about number of games to be played. So, realistically, whatever the Big Ten is dealing with now is what they inflicted upon themselves, which just, again, speaks to sort of the wall they've been hitting themselves against this entire process. Like, they, they should have gotten rid of this rule weeks ago. And you're right. I'm sure they'll find a way to get another game played. I think Purdue is open. Uh, realistically, I wish that we could find a way, since Cincinnati's off this weekend too, let's get everybody a game that actually has some playoff implication for both sides. Let's let them go and let them play. But I will say, guys, on rankings reaction that Michael Lou Jr. and Christine Williamson and I do on digital uh, at 8 o'clock in the ESPN Eastern Time uh, on Tuesday nights, we talked to Gary Barta, the committee head, last week. And I asked him straight up if it's part of the conversation, the number of games played. And he said without a doubt that the committee has been discussing the fact that the number of games has to matter. So I think that the committee is telling you, hey, get a game somewhere. But the Big Ten has put themselves in this situation, and it stinks. For Indi- Even though Indiana may not be as good a team as Ohio State, to come in now and change the rules when Indiana has been in this situation and should have the right to play for that championship – Man, that, that just feels gross to me. And the reason why, Austin, the, the Big Ten's in a tough spot here is because if Clemson-Notre Dame's a tough one, a close game, uh, Florida and Alabama close one, or Alabama loses, you know, yeah. or, or maybe Notre Dame loses but in a close game, then how can you say Ohio State should go ahead of those teams that have played now, what, nine, ten games yeah. and with the resumes they have? Uh, all right. Especially, have- yeah, because Ohio State hasn't played anybody other than Indiana. I mean, if we want to sit there and, and lecture Cincinnati about who they played, then at least have the, the common decency to do the same thing for Ohio State that's beat up on some bad football teams this year. Yeah, I think the Big Ten, they need Ohio State in this thing. Of course and, they and, do. And hopefully of course they, they, do. they find a way to get it done. We'll see. They, they need yeah. to. We'll see. College but, football doesn't necessarily need Ohio State, in, in my opinion, though. But the Big Ten needs no, the Ohio Big Ten State. Needs, and listen, if you're the Big Ten, don't be on the forefront in terms of shutting the season down with COVID-19, and then don't fall behind the back burner and say, well, we don't know what to do now. Like, you can't have it both ways. So be at the forefront of both, get Ohio State in the playoffs, and let's go. All right, Jason, you're a big music guy, as am I. I think we were by, I think it was two weeks ago, in terms of the Celine Dion, Mariah Carey versus match. By the way, now we're going to have Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera on the undercard. Hope you're okay with that. <laughs> hope you're okay with that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. Good, okay good good so, so we're in the same music zone here well since it's christmas time right around the corner we got to go with the power rankings of your top five christmas songs whether you like to play them whether you like to listen to them whatever you like to do with them your top five christmas songs and go jason fitz does the does the artist on it matter, or is it just the song? This is an important point of clarification. Like, huge, am I picking one version? Yeah, that's a huge point. The artist does not matter. Oh, oh. Now, I'm okay, specific okay. in some of mine. Okay. Okay, okay. Well, I will, I'll do one specific, and then artist doesn't matter after that. Uh, at number five, and this is specific at number five, uh, the pentatonics version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen is absolutely a banger, as the kids say. That is one that, like, I crank up every time. So that comes in at number five because I like that version. At number four, Silent Night, I'll take any version of it, although the Bing version we all know is the best. Let's not be savages. At number three, All I Want for Christmas is You, and I don't care whether you take Mariah or Buble. That's part of why that song's awesome because it can be upbeat or it can be it can be sort of, you know, chill. So I'll take either. And then the, the top two is the, really the tough one, right? right? So at number two, 
I'm going to go Carol of the Bells because it's Carol of the Bells. Uh, and at number one, we I like it. This isn't even a discussion, right? Like, I don't want us to not be friends anymore. Oh, Holy Night is by far the, the greatest Christmas carol of all time, right? Like, we all, we're all on the same page, right? We're all on the same page with one through four. <laughs> yeah. Okay? you got to go back and watch the video and Austin's reaction on your first listen. On your number five. So, Pentatonics. I respect the hustle. They're super uber talented individuals. I'm not going to deny that. But for whatever reason, when it's Thanksgiving or Christmas, they are everywhere. We watched the Thanksgiving parade. My son was watching Pentatonics. It might as well have been a two-hour Pentatonics commercial. That's all I'm going to say. Now, for the Christmas parade coming up, I'm sure it's going to be the same thing. Pentatonics is essentially like the pumpkin spice of musical acts. Like, they're big for a little bit, and then they just go away to their caves, and we never see them again until the next holiday. The talent is talent, I can't man. stand it. I talent can't stand talent. it. Sorry, Jason. Austin. Sorry, man. Austin, Austin, if I told you, if I told season. you, if I told you you could make a year's worth of money by working for about six weeks a year, you'd re- you'd respect that hustle, right? Like that's what they've maximized. You're not wrong. Yeah. Like the only thing they put out that like whenever they try during the the year to put out a normal song of some sort that they covered, I'm just like. What abomination is this? I don't want to listen to this junk. But when they, they they could put out any Christmas song in December, and I'm like, oh, yeah. and, like that, that's the way it's supposed really to work. my fancy. Yeah, no, I got you, man. I get it. And like I said, I do respect the hustle. But where do they go for like the, the like those ten months where they're not in the scene? I wonder. Yeah, I wonder too. They they sit back and they they take baths in their Scrooge McDuck cast. And that's just a good around like. <laughs> Just don't dive head first, man. It doesn't pan are out Are you well. giving the five? Go ahead. Are we, are we all going right now? Well, I don't we have time. Uh, well, Jason probably does. Yeah, yeah. But who's your five? Who's your five? Okay, Come on. Okay, real, real quick. All right, Brent, turn around because I don't want to see your judgment face because I know you're going to have a problem with these picks. Number five, uh, what's this from Jack Skeleton and The Nightmare Before Christmas? Nightmare Before Christmas, best movie of all time in terms of kid watching because you watch during Halloween and you watch during Christmas. Would you disagree about that? That's pretty good. All right, Double. good. All right, number four, Sleigh Ride. It's just it, love it, the it's, Sleigh Ride. It's, it's a great Almost song. Made my list. Dude, I'm not gonna lie. I'll play that song in the summer. I don't even care, man. Sleigh Ride's a banger. Uh, number three. This is You're not wrong about me. that, by the way. Thank you very much. Number three, personal to me because I sang this in choir in middle school. We Three Kings. Just a really good storytelling kind of song, right? Um, very peaceful, very melodic. We Three Kings are number two. Number uh, Jalen Ramsey's favorite too. Yeah, uh, am, am, am I at two? <laughs> am I at two right now? You too. Yeah. Uh, number two. Um, oh, Christmas tree. Because I had to sing this song in three different languages in grade school. Really? Oh, Tannenbaum. Oh, Bragger. Brian of Red. Uh, you know what that is? No. That's German. That's Welcome. old Christmas tree. Welcome. Yeah. I mean, this is back before we had Rosetta Stone. And you remember. Yeah. This is back before Rosetta Stone. We just had a really hardcore chorus teacher that wanted to show off a little bit. So, oh, Christmas tree, number two. And number one, to me, not even a debate. It's it's my favorite song. Brent, you know this. I'll play this whenever. Merry Christmas, the war is over, John Lennon. Oh, I absolutely love that oh, song. Oh, that song is trash. Oh, it's my. trash. Hey, hey. So it's if, trash. if you're going to call that song trash, then you're going to call Tracy Chapman's Fast Car trash because they fall in the same category. I'm not sure what's going on in the song, but it's something serious. I should probably listen to it. Enough said. Yeah, you said it, John Lennon. Where was, where, I mean, if you're going to go with the war is over, then at least give me, like, wham, last Christmas or something. <laughs> I mean, that, look, but, I mean, come on. Don't 
ever put Wham and John Lennon in the same category ever again, Jason? Or I'm going to ban you from the show, and you won't be the first person to be banned from the show. All right, I thought we had to. I, I thought we had to go specific. So here we go. So we can get uh, Jason go. Uh, I go Silent Night in church. Yeah. has to be in oh, church. Yeah. There's something about okay, Silent okay. Night in church, and I'm not like this. I don't go to church every week, guy. No, you're but good. When you're in church and you hear Silent Night, yeah, there's just man. something that happens to you, man. It's peaceful. It is something that happens. Mm-hmm. Nice. All right, I don't even really like oh, yeah. this song, but when these guys do this song, mm-hmm. it makes it jump. I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus by the <laughs> Jackson Five. I like there's that. something about kids singing that song. Yeah. Go listen. It's oh, that's like, good. I, I like that one. Yeah, you know, I like that one a lot. It, it was yeah. pretty wild. We we are going to promote adultery though on this show. Uh, okay, maybe. You know. Uh, okay. Silver bells. I love silver bells. Okay. By anyone. Oh, even I have a I specific. Like yeah. Okay. And then number. How did not? It, you're going to laugh at me for this one. This is probably not the cool kids one. But how can Careful. you not do Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen? Oh, the boss. I mean, that's like yeah. all timer. Like I thought you guys would have that number one. I, I mean, listen, I don't need Bruce Britton with all due respect to the boss. I don't need him to sing Christmas songs. Okay, take oh. me back to hey, no, nah, no, nah, take me back to Born to Run, man. Take me back to that. I, take me back to Dancing in the Dark. I don't need to hear your rendition of any Christmas song. Santa Claus coming to town by Bruce Springsteen. Come on, five times in a row, and I love it every single time. Okay, all right, last one. And, uh, uh, Jackson Five version's better than Bruce's version, but go ahead. Oh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, That's coming I from musical expert, by That's the way. That's true. Except um, he likes Wham, which and, is unbelievable. And I, I, my favorite Christmas album of all time is Alabama. And uh, I still believe, and probably you have to go look it up, but it's a song that it was number one on that album record. Mm-hmm. And so every Christmas would start with that song. Okay. And so it's my favorite Christmas obviously song not, by n- Alabama. Obviously not the top one on the charts because I've never heard no. that song before. And well, so that's a shame. It but you know, Brett, I, I respect that. And I would tell you, like, if I was... If I was just going for sentimental favorites, uh, there's a there's a song at the end of the the Kenny Rogers that got rest his soul uh, Christmas record uh, called When a Child Is Born that is like the other people have done that song but nobody's done it the way Kenny did and it was from his Christmas record in 1980. Tony, go check out When a Child Is Born. Might be one of the best vocal moments of Kenny Rogers' career. That one is always like. I know it's Christmas when I get in the car and I play that like 10 times in a row and wail along with it. I'm going to check it out because I, I want to do that and and, and uh, hear it and see if I like it just as yeah. much as you do. And I just want to let you know, Fitz, I did this for you, and this will be on the inside, and a lot of people won't get it. But I made sure I didn't put Alan Jackson on that list. <laughs> Attaboy! Oh, boy. I, that's why I love you. Can you hang up on this guy? Because, listen, man, I'm not going to wake him up, but it's time for him to go-go because he put Wham! <laughs> over John Lennon. Enough said. I'm done with the guy. Jason Fitz, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Not sure how it's going to pan out yet. We'll see you, man. Have a good night. I mean, it was Wham! featuring George Michael. Which is, I don't know if that helps. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good one. Appreciate you hanging with us. Thanks, guys. That's Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock. On ESPN Radio all across the country. What did John Lennon do? And this isn't the John Lennon song that I wanted either. By the way, John Lennon, was it 40 years ago? Passed away today? Yeah. 40 years oh, is it today? Ago? I'm pretty sure I thought wow. so. That. Is that right? 40 year anniversary, I believe. Yeah. Is this pentatonics? This is generic dubstep Christmas music. This, this is probably pentatonics, bro. This is cool. They're using their mouth, they're using their voices. This isn't even like, you know, a computer program. This is all them making the voices. Pentatonics is good. Super talented. I appreciate musical talent because I have none. Get the pumpkin spice of pop music out of it. That's no, a good I'm reference, though. So. That's true. Well, that's a good reference. Pumpkin spice. Yeah. Like I said, I said it's James Harden in the regular season, man. Yeah. I mean. what? But did I miss something? I'm, I'm upset with John Lennon. I'm, ex- I'm upset with that comment. It's a good song. Yay or nay? 
I mean, yeah, it's a it's a good song. Um, you know, it's serious stuff he's talking it's about. It's like really serious. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a serious time. 2020. That's true. I mean, what, what more do you want? I mean, it's just it is kind of like show. too serious. No, no a, it's not. On a holiday See? cheery up kind of thing. No, man, it, it ain't for you then. You know, it's not for you. That's fine. Go go ahead and have fun living in sunshine and rainbow land. Meanwhile, I'm in 2020 just trying to make it through another year, man. And I need some John Lennon. The war is over. What war is he talking about, by the way? Vietnam? You know that? This is back in your time. Back in my time. <laughs> We'll be back at Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 after I Google that. Brent Martineau. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This I just did. Why oh, is WWE? That, that's it. That's I mean, it? that's why I thought, I don't know. I mean, Roman's only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but, might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Got more uh, hate email from Steelers fans yesterday, even though they lost. Wait, I was looking forward to watching the Redskins-Steelers game yesterday. Nope, nope. It's Washington, Washington now. Oh, yeah, yeah. That. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah. just reading what oh, they I wrote. Got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, everyone's making that mistake today. Got your news instead. Thanks for nothing. You really dropped the ball and lost a bunch of viewers. Well, did you want to watch your team lose like that to Washington? I just always think it's funny that people think I have the power to show what NFL game is on. I think you do. I, I mean, appreciate hey, that. I'm not going to lie. When, when, when SmackDown was off the air because of you had to show a Jags preseason game from 1997, I was a little upset. Yeah. All right. My son was upset, too. I actually kind of liked making you mad on there, but I didn't have the power then either. Yeah. Now, I'll take the credit when things go well. If you like a switch that we make. Sure, sure. Real quick, more aggressive, Steelers fans or wrestling fans? Oh, Steelers. Oh, yeah. Big your, time. your inbox is flooded with some Steelers. Oh fans, my gosh! Man. It didn't okay. stop. It's still not stopping. There was any wrestling fans in, in your DMs or inbox that said like, "Why isn't a the wrestling being shown?" Yeah, but were they, were they polite? Yeah, they were okay. Good. Glad yeah. to hear that. Plus, wrestling's on like eighteen times a week. So. That it is, Brent. It's hard uh, to keep up with. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Every couple of weeks, Josh Allen, Jags pass rusher, joins us here on ESPN 690. Josh, hope you're doing well, man. Are you a wrestling fan? Uh, I was at one point. I was at one point. I was a Big Show fan. You know, that was my oh. guy. And then Rick Ashley. That was my guy. Choke slam. I like that. So are you, like, pleading at all, at, you know, at some point with Tony Khan <laughs> to be a part of AEW, like just a guest appearance? You know what? Uh, I did mention it to him. I uh, don't know if it's going to get farther than that. But, you know, just the, just the thought that matters is, you know, uh, I, but I talked to him about it. Hopefully, you know, he'll give me a one of these days. Plant those seeds, Josh. Plant those seeds. Now, a little spoiler alert for you, man. A little warning out there. Supposedly, Shaq's going to make an appearance in the next couple weeks Weeks for AEW. So you're in competition with Shaq right now. I mean, you're a pretty big brand name yourself. I'm not sure if you're to Shaq's level quite yet. Oh, no, not yet. But definitely, I, I got to see when he comes. You know, I might have to come to that one. <laughs> <laughs> and you can. They've been right here at Daly's Place in Jacksonville. Uh, th- that got me thinking. Shaq, uh, obviously, in his heyday uh, years ago, who was your favorite athlete growing up uh, across all sports, uh, whether it was football, basketball, baseball, whoever? Uh, did you have a, a favorite? Uh, favorite overall athlete? Probably no. Uh you know, somebody that idolized or some it was my uncle, you know what I mean? I was the only athlete that I you know what I'm saying, growing up that I know that I knew of and that would that had success when he played. So that was really my idol growing up and then but football, you know, just football wise, Troy Palomalu, 
basketball, Kyrie Irving, LeBron James, you know, millennial stuff. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, no doubt about it. Uh, Josh <laughs> Allen with us. <laughs> Notice how you didn't say Michael Jordan or Larry Bird, Brent. He didn't, or Whoa, he didn't say Kobe. Man. Like, I was wondering if he'd say oh, Kobe, yeah, yeah. but it, more LeBron. Mm-hmm. And right now, LeBron and Kyrie is an interesting conversation in itself, which <laughs> yes, we might get is. to a little bit later on in the show. Hey, you've missed uh, the last two games on injured reserve. Uh, I don't know how much you can share with us. How's the knee going? And we were just wondering in commercial break, we, do you think he'll play again this year? Do you know that yet? Uh, I don't know that yet. I'm taking it week by week. Uh, you know, it sucks that I'm really not out there. Uh, so I'm definitely, definitely feeling it. But, you know, i got to take care of my body, and i got to come back 100% because, you know, me coming back 85% and, you know, questionable re-injury, you know, re-injuring my injury. So, and I don't want to go through that, and I'm not going to make nobody better. So I definitely want to come back 100%, but, you know, we're just going to see week by week. Josh, you know, when these past couple games, we've seen a lot more, at least to my eyes, it looks like a lot more blitz packages being used, whether it's a a linebacker blitz, a safety blitz, sometimes even a corner blitz. And, like, I tried to break this down for Brent a little bit. At least when I played, like, when a blitz was called, you kind of got, like, that twinkle in your eye a little bit because it's like, oh, man, we're coming to the quarterback. I'll see you guys in the backfield. Does that still kind of resonate with you where anytime you're in a huddle and, and that blitz call is is, is called from whether it's, it's Joe Schobert or, or Todd Wash making the call? But, like, do you get a little excited when that blitz call is in play? Uh, most definitely, uh, especially if the blitz is for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's definitely that's definitely going to give a lot of signs. But, you know, if it, is, if it isn't for me, I'm just so glad we get to bring an extra rusher or somebody just to disguise them to, make, to mess up their protection. So, it's always good when you get a blitz, and, you know, I've been watching the games, and like you said, we've been blitzing a lot more, and they've been really effective. So hopefully we can continue to hit home more and more and more and be able to get them off the field and take get turnovers. You know, and Josh makes a great point here because usually in a blitz package, there's always kind of like that decoy guy, right, where he's kind of like the fail-safe. Doesn't really get in on the action, but he has a job to do. It's a very thankless job because <laughs> yeah. everyone's got to do their own job, right? So there's but a lot of lobbying being going that on. Being decoy right now <laughs> is not a good spot to be in. So I, I feel you, Josh. Yeah, it's the decoys and the sacrificial lambs. Those, the, you know, say you always gonna have one of those, one of the guys that just has to get, you know, has to get it the worst. But you know, are one of the key pieces to make the play work. So definitely, uh, if, if you're not the playmaker, you definitely have a big role in that. And uh, you know, you just gotta do, you gotta do what you gotta do. That's uh, why they call it the ultimate team game. You know, we ask you about this guy a lot, uh, but you're watching that game the other day and Caleb on chase on uh, from Doug Marone's thoughts, but even from our eyes. And I think even like the pro football focus numbers, if you pay attention to that stuff, said he had his best game as a pro five quarterback pressures. Saw him standing up quite a bit. Uh, you've tutored him a bunch so far this year. What did you see out of Caleb on the other day against Minnesota? Uh, I mean, my thing that I talked to him today, you know, the thing that I, you know, that I would want him to do is just to play more. Uh, the more, the more, the more he gets in, you know, the more opportunity that he has to make plays is the better. I feel like that he's going to get better from that. But just watching him play and watching him be, you know, play, play more like himself, you know, it's definitely, you definitely can see a difference in him and you definitely can tell that he's getting more comfortable when the years go on. Uh, so excited, you know, that it's to, to this point, but, you know, as long as he's getting it, and if he's getting it slowly, that's his game. And But I feel like uh, watching this game, he's definitely getting more comfortable pass rushing, and uh, he's working on what they teach him to work on. So definitely good to see. And uh, my bonding again, man, I just want him to play a little bit more uh, so he can get comfortable and have a rhythm and stay with that rhythm. 
because uh, I know that's not, I, that, I know that's how I got better and that's how I learned. So hopefully he continue to grow and continue to get better and continue to learn and uh, you know make this team better. Talking to Jaguars defensive end Josh Allen. Um, Josh, you know, like when I was making my transition from college to the pros, I came from a system where my hand was in the dirt uh, most of the time. Now, those rare occurrences where I got to stand up, I loved it. Because anytime you can stand up, you feel like a little more like an athlete for whatever reason. And that kind of transitioned to my NFL career as well. When you have a guy like Chase on coming from a 3-4 defense outside linebacker spot, has always you know played standing up, well, you can kind of relate to that a little bit as well because you spent a lot of time in college standing up. You guys get to the pros, and all of a sudden you're asked to put your hand in the dirt a little more. How hard is that transition from standing up to putting the hand in the dirt, especially playing that position at the highest level? Uh, I mean, obviously, if he, if he wants to talk to somebody, I'm probably the main person he needs to talk to. Mm-hmm. Uh, because just come, it, it, it really is a different uh, – it, it's really a different position, uh, you know, coming from – just standing up, being an athlete, like you say, always on your feet, always moving, where you can use your, you know, your ability to to, to make a lot more plays. You feel like to uh, going straight to three, four. It's definitely a mind, a mind game uh, on players. It definitely was for me, uh, but I feel like once you understand and once you start to figure it out, that you know, what I'm saying that if you put your hand down, all you're doing is rushing the passer. Mm-hmm. It's going to be better. But definitely, I like standing up. Uh, I was starting to do a little bit more before I got hurt, and I started to get more comfortable in it. So hopefully uh, in the near future we can bring it back to that because, uh, you know, I like it. And obviously he's getting comfortable with it. And he's making a lot more plays. So hopefully he can stand up more and more and more. But, you know, in situations where he has to get a three-point, we learn and we know that we have to do that. But uh, just on some situations where we can stand up when we can stand up, you know, just take those opportunities, and he's definitely taking his opportunities. And, uh, you know, obviously you can tell he's more comfortable playing like that. So we just got to be able to, you know what I'm saying, use him. And I know we are, and we are now, as you can tell. <laughs> so hopefully we can get better from that. Yeah, well, I don't fully understand it. I, I get what you're saying, and I kind of liken it to, you know, there's always been talks in the last 10 years, especially of quarterbacks coming out. Yeah. Uh, like when Tebow came out, even Gabbert, when he came out, it was like, can they take a snap under center? Mm-hmm. Because they were taking so many shotgun snaps. I'm like, just go take the snap under center. Like, how yeah. hard is this? But yeah. getting your drop, getting your read, the timing, all that stuff, there's something to it. Well, now, look, the NFL has kind of changed, right? Mm-hmm. So many people are out of the shotgun. Yeah. They've adapted to the college quarterback. Yeah. And I think that's – listen, you got to adapt to players' skill sets and what they're used to, even the subtle things. Like, that doesn't seem like a big thing to me. i got to be honest with both you guys. But yeah. both you guys played in the league, and mm-hmm. you know what you're, you're talking well, about. Yeah. For me, standing up, sitting, I mean, hand in the dirt, mm-hmm. doesn't – like, I don't yeah. get that. Yeah. It's, actually, it's actually a big transition, I know. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah, it's standing up with, you know, getting the hand in there, you know, it doesn't sound like it's hot, but it's really a big, you know, transition on us. Because uh, like you said, when you stand up, you can actually, you know, you can you can move around, you can stem around, you can use the athletic ability to, to really disguise and jump out of it because you're used to that. And then when you go straight to hand in the dirt, you can't really move. You you only go in one way, you know what I mean? And you can't really fall step. You really can't do none of this. So it's definitely limited a little bit, but like once you get the feel of it, and once you start to learn and progress and and get it, then it's not it's not a problem. But like just guys coming in, in the league, because I was always a three four outside linebacker, you know what I'm saying? But I knew I could play three four in once I got into the league and transitioned to that position. But other people, it might not be like that. So it's definitely going to be a transition. But 
you know, being able to move and be able to switch switch the way you do it, I feel like, you know, it comes to people different. Uh, you know, it takes people longer to develop that, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, once you get here, you got to do what you got to do. And uh, right now we're doing what we got to do, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess you got to do what you got to do. That's all I can really say. No, we get what you're saying, man. And I think it's a testament to you, too, because your first year um, where you were asked to obviously play with that hand in the dirt, I thought you did a great job transitioning. You know, like there was never really a moment where it's like, oh, he looks uncomfortable. He doesn't look easy. And and I wish I could get the point across to our listeners and, and our viewers where just how much of a difference that it is, right? Because you, you spend so much time ingrained in a certain way of how you get off the football, of the steps that you take and of the hand placement that you have. And we say it all the time. It's the most cliche thing. But football is a game of inches. And any sort of misstep, any sort of hand placement not in the right spot, you, you get exposed. You know, and then the eye in the sky does not lie, and it shows on film. So it would be like almost asking, like, Steph Curry to say, hey, man, you know what? Your, your three-pointer is pretty good, your shot. But go ahead and, like, you know, add something to it. Right? Like, it's not going to just happen yeah. overnight. Like, it takes time yeah. to develop into muscle memory. I think that's what Josh is trying to say here. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Definitely, uh, definitely well said, Austin. Thank you. Cool. Good, <laughs> hey, man. all right, I'm going to leave you with this. I got to ask you something. Yeah, this football okay. team has lost 11 in a row. Um, yeah. Yet you, they have the. I think Doug Marone's done a nice job of keeping the mentality. You can see it out. We can all see it. They're busting their butt. I mean, they come inches away from winning these games. Turnover here or there, play here or there. Um, I, I guess. What I'm having a hard time calculating this year, Josh, because we're not in the locker room, because of COVID-19, we're doing these Zoom calls, is how frustrated is the football team? Like, how frustrated are you guys overall, or were you when you were in there? Um, because every you guys are big-time competitors, man. This stinks. This is awful. Like, yeah. I'm just surprised. Like, we haven't seen any kind of tirades on the sideline. Like, are people throwing helmets inside the locker room? <laughs> like, to be honest with you, I kind of want to see it. I want to see somebody just so dang yeah. mad. But but you guys have kept your cool. Like, what's there's a balance there, I get, of being frustrated but but still doing your job to the best of your ability and seeing some growth. Um, it, what's it like in there uh, at, with all these losses? I mean, obviously it sucks. You know, we everybody in our locker room hates to lose. We never, you know, go, go in a situation saying that we're going to lose. Uh, so that's I can if I can speak for myself, and I know I you know I can speak for my team because they, you know, what I'm saying I think they'll trust me. But so it's me speaking for the team, you know, they all hate to lose. You know, there's not one there's not one guy in there that's that's satisfied after every game. And I can tell you one thing that every guy in there busted their butt and they go into the game thinking that they're going to win every game, thinking that they're going to win every one-on-one, even though realistically it happens to the best of us. Not everybody's going to win every one-on-one. Not everybody's going to, you know, hit a quarterback. Not everyone's going to catch it. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but when you have many of those things keep happening, then that's when, you know, stuff happens. But I know with those guys, yeah, we get frustrated. We talk it out. You know what I'm saying? We learn from our mistakes. We learn from this. We're gonna. I feel like all we are going to do from this experience is grow from this. Uh, you know, we like we said, we practice hard. We play hard. It's just not the outcome that we want. And, you know, if, if that's what it is, it's not like we're not out here getting blown out and guys are just, just giving up. You can tell they're giving up. No, we go out here and compete every play. They go out there and compete every play. And that's what I love about this team. That's why I know this team is, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to be a good team. Eventually, uh, soon, and I feel like you know we're a young team. We're a team that's learning. We're a team that's developing in every aspect, 
And uh, I'm just so excited, and I just love watching them. Just love play with that enthusiasm, play with that effort, and play just just play balls to the wall, uh, so to say. But it sucks losing. I can't. That's 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 it, it, losing is just not an option. And then we keep doing it, and it sucks on all of us, and it pays a toll on all of us. But all all we know how to do is go back to work Monday, look at the film, run from the film, and come back and play as hard as we can next week. And that's all we can do. Uh, you know, it takes all three phases. It takes all 11 people out there on the field to win a game. And that's and that's what it takes, and that's how we try to play. But, you know, just, like you said, it takes one or two plays to really, you know, to, you know, to lose a game and to win a game. So, but I feel like we're going to figure that out. We got four more games left, and uh, we're going to play balls to the wall. We're going to play as hard as we can. Well, they are. And uh, hopefully, you know what I'm saying, come out with one of these wins. Hey, really well said, man. I appreciate you answering the question yeah, and uh, look well forward put. to uh, talking to you on Jaguars All Access on Thursday night. Uh, be well. Take care of that knee. Yes, sir. Thank you all. You got it. Uh, that's Josh Allen, Jaguars pass rusher. That right there sounded like a guy who's the captain of the football team. Loved it. Right? Great answer. Great answer. Listen, and, and listen, I come in here and I, I ask that question like, just about every Monday, right? Yeah. And so uh, I, I think I get it. Like, I understand it. You have a task to do. You got to see those things. But... Like, I almost needed to hear that. Yeah. Like, I need, I don't know if the fans need to hear that, but yeah. I need to hear that. And, and again, this is so different. I have to remind people, this is different this year for us. We don't see that. Like, when we're, I've covered a, a lot of losing around here. Mm-hmm. And when we go in that locker room, you see guys that are miserable. Mm-hmm. You see guys that are like, get the heck away from me. Don't come over here with that camera and microphone. <laughs> you see guys that are, you know, handle it better than others or don't, right? Yeah, and sometimes I mean, there's you'll see that have been on the game for a while and they yeah. know what's up, professionals. And, so, and sometimes you see an occasional, whoa, what's going on over there? Meltdown, yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And so we don't have that this year, yet they've lost a single season record 11 in a row. Mm-hmm. And so that's, it might just be a me thing, but I'm having a hard time computing that. And again, I'm not saying they're satisfied with, with losing, but I've just, especially given the character's and personalities this team has had in the last few years. Like, what would that sign line look with Jan and and Jalen? And by the way, I, I don't mind that by Jan. I don't even mind it from Jalen. Yeah. But I'm just saying, how would they handle this? Maybe there is a sense of maturity about this football team, or they're just so young they don't really know any different. But I well, also think you have to give credit to the coaching staff for keeping this together, yeah. keeping them playing their you-know-what off. And, and you see that. Uh, that's not good enough. Mm-hmm. Like as Josh just said, but I just thought he put it really well. And and I think you're getting that from some of your leadership, even though it's young leadership and the coaching staff. And and I just hope and I think uh, even even Gardner Minshew said it in the last day or so. Those hopefully will pay off. Yeah. You know, that chip. Will it make you work harder in the offseason? Will it make you pay attention to detail? Will it make you a better pro, a better player mm-hmm. for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2021? I guess that's all we can hope for. Listen, I'm never going to buy into the narrative that this team is too young to know better because I've echoed this before on the show and I'll say it again. Like, from the age of whatever, seventh grade, eighth grade, when you start playing Pop Warner football, something clicks in your mind and it's like, you know what's fun? Winning football games. And then all of a sudden, winning starts to be the only thing. Yeah, having fun's cool, but you want to win. And all of a sudden, it's wins and losses. And that never leaves you through high school, through college, and especially not in the pros. So these guys have it ingrained in them right now where you either win or you lose. And if you win, it's going to be a good day tomorrow. If you lose, everything sucks. And I still feel like it's like that in the locker room. Are the Jaguars free agents? That's the quote coming out of downtown today. 
what it all means on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Coming up next.